We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hi, welcome back. I am Coach Tanya here with the Strong by Design podcast with a very special guest today, Mrs. Michelle Klopacki. She has a story that is going to inspire you. It's going to fill you with hope. And um, gosh, I'm actually kind of at a loss for words with the introduction here because nothing I say can actually prepare you for what you're going to hear in this show and about this woman. And um, I just feel very honored to be here with you today. I mean, I'm in their beautiful home here in sunny, wonderful Florida, pre-hurricane, Yes, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so we're very cozy, comfy here in the Casa Klopaki, as I was saying, as we were doing our podcast live. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. Um, and why don't you uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. I am, first of all, myself, Michelle, <laughs> um, 38. I'm going to be 39 next month. Wow. Question 40. I have yeah. A, yeah. an amazing husband who you get to work yes, with every my day. Colleague, coworker, friend. Yes. Coach Brian. Yep. And we have two beautiful boys. Eli is almost six, and Ezra is three and a half. And they're pretty amazing. And life is busy. Life is very busy. busy. School has started again. Yes. So you're on routine. the run. <laughs> yep. Now I know what it's like to be on the run with kids in a real school. They were in preschool before, so yeah. I didn't have to do too much. Yeah. But now life is busy. You're in the big leagues now. Yes. Car lines and <laughs> all that PTAs fun stuff. Yes, which I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to one of the meetings. I'm going to be room mom and head some stuff at their school. So Excellent. Well, yep. it's a really fun time. I actually, I miss, my kids are bigger and older now. So I mm-hmm. do, I remember being in that moment and thinking, oh my Lord. Yes. Bleh. Why you know? am I signing up for <gasps> more stuff? But I miss I? it because <laughs> yeah. it was really short. Yeah. It really was. And when you're in it, it doesn't feel like it's shorter. There's days you just think it's never going to, it's always going to be like this. And yeah. just like that, it's, it's done. Done. Yeah. And they're doing their own thing. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay. So now what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? Which we're going to get to some, yeah, some of that. But yeah. Um, so the reason we're here is because you have an amazing story. An absolutely amazing story of, and I'm just hoping I can keep my stuff together during this this show, um, an amazing story of strength, courage, hope. I mean, the, just the adjectives mm-hmm. is a mile long, but um, take me back to when you were 14. Well, what happened at 14? Yeah, I was a sophomore in high school mm-hmm. and... Um, doing ballet, doing field hockey, really active at school, kind of friends with everyone, Um, starting to work at our family business. We just own a local grocery store. Um, School had just begun my sophomore year. and exciting time. (laughs) Exciting time. I was getting my license that year. So everything was kind of happening that year for me um, in a good way. And then late in the fall that year, so it's 1994, I started feeling exhausted, not a normal exhausted Mm -hmm. after high school days and then playing field hockey and doing ballet. I would come home and literally pass out and just be done. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then I started bruising. Um, we thought just maybe field hockey is a rough sport and that's kind of normal, but mm-hmm. the bruises kind of lasted and they were pretty in depth. So my mom took me to my regular pediatrician and just thought I had mono or maybe Lyme's disease because that was very popular. Yeah. <laughs> whatever in our area in right. Connecticut where I grew up. And he did some blood work and was like, you know, I don't really like how your blood work's looking. It's not mono. It's not um, Lyme's disease. It's not the stuff I normally see. Um, I'm not quite sure, just because I was young at the time, how we jumped from my pediatrician to my oncologist at Yale. But that's where we ended up. Mm. So we ended up at Yale New Haven Children's Hospital, which is about an hour and a half from where I grew up. And they did blood work as well with a pediatric hematology oncologist, um, which is a study of blood and they mm-hmm. study of cancer and they um, yep. specialize in pediatrics. So that's who we saw. And um, they did the blood work. They said kind of the same thing. Like, we just don't like what we're seeing. And of course, they knew what they were kind of seeing because right. that's what they look at every yes. day. And they decided to move forward with a bone marrow biopsy. Yeah. So they scheduled that, um, which we've never gone through. Nobody really knows. Did what they the prepare intense. you for that? A little bit. Yes. Okay. I mean, they showed me the needles they were going to put into right. the back. They actually do it into the back of your hip bone. And it's quite painful, is it not? It's very painful. Yes. Thankfully, I was being um, treated in a pediatric area of the hospital. So they yeah. do drug you. They sedate okay. you for that. Um, but the sedation doesn't always work. So we got that done. Um, I had my oncologist, he was about a 200 plus pound man from Sweden. <laughs> so picture maybe Mike from Critical yes. Bench on my back. And you're trying this tiny little tiny thing, little thing like a fawn. In freshman or sophomore <laughs> year of high school. And he was trying to yank my bone marrow out of my hips, my, my bones to get a sample. And he knew the minute he could not get it out. This wasn't coming. What it was. So they finally got the biopsy out. It was not an easy process. Because it's like tarry thick, isn't it? Tarry thick. It's like glue, like very sticky glue coming out when you have cancer. So they got that out. Was extremely painful because like I said, the sedation doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. And when they're trying for a long time. It would wear off anyway. It would wear off. So... Um, yeah, so my little 14 years into life became very drastically different at that point. So they brought me back to the recovery room where all of the um, oncology nurses were. And they're amazing there because they just made us feel very at peace and very comfortable. Mm-hmm. So they got me whatever we needed while we waited. And I will never forget watching the doctor. It was a husband and wife team, which is oh, pretty interesting. Yeah, so. Yeah. They walk through the doors from the um, laboratory, mm-hmm. and everything's right there, which is amazing at this hospital. So you're not waiting for you're weeks. You're not waiting. <laughs> Nothing gets shipped away. Yeah. Um, and I'm sitting with my mom and dad. Uh, my sister was with my grandparents at the time. And they came in, and they said, we're sorry to tell you, but you have what's called acute promyelocytic leukemia. That's normally a leukemia that is found in very young, young children. children. Yes. So I was 14 years old being told that and 
I wasn't sure who was more in shock at first, whether it was me or my parents. Yeah, like sitting there <laughs> hearing that, is it just does the room just go quiet for what feels like a long time, or like yes. what's that initial? Just yeah, I think, you wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't imagine there'd be like a, a a nanosecond response, just a moment of like, what did I just hear? Right, and and it was very quiet in the room. Anyways, it was kind of at the end of the day, so yeah. nobody was getting blood transfusions, nobody was getting yeah. chemo back in the room. Mm. So we were the only ones back there, yeah. which was kind of nice in the grieving process. Right. And at the same time, um, it was just a very peaceful environment. It wasn't chaotic. So right. yeah, we were scared um, being that my dad's cousin had gone through this when she was younger and she didn't survive. I think he was a little traumatized hearing the news. Mm -hmm. um, and so was my mom. You know, as a parent now, that's probably the last thing I would want to hear from right. my children. So we took the news in. Um, we had a really amazing team at Yale. The doctor that we were handed to, um, Dr. Recht was his name. He kind of took us in and yeah. He became another family member to yeah. us, which was pretty cool. And they came up with a treatment for me that was being tested on this specific leukemia. Um, myself and another child about my age, a boy, was being treated this way. Okay. So they were going to give it a shot. Now, you and I had a like a pre-podcast meeting just mm -hmm. to, to talk about. And this was a pretty aggressive protocol, was it mm -hmm. not? Okay. Yep. Yeah. So this protocol was not put into play. It's totally different today than it mm -hmm. was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, 20 plus years ago. So I um, did not get chemo right away. They were using a form of retinoic acid and vitamin A to treat this leukemia aggressively. Mm -hmm. So I was on 21 pills a day with milk, mm. seven <laughs> pills, three times a day. Um, at home, I was able to take it. Yes. And it was um, kind of a study drug they were looking at and took that. And in the midst of that, they still put in a portacath. It was a Broviac at the time. So that's where the tubes come out just mm -hmm. as a backup. Right. Because I would need chemo for a couple of weeks after this. So did the um, study drug and shut it down after about a month because my vision okay. shut down. My brain kind of started shutting down just on my um, ability to walk straight. I felt like I was so on a affecting boat. psychomotor yep. type of skill. So did they did they warn you or or prepare oh, you yeah. that this might be a side effect? Okay. Yes, they of course like yeah. those TV the commercials. TV I'm like, like oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't even take that drug. I would just deal with it. Yeah. But um, yeah, so they went over all the side effects. They weren't sure how long they were going to keep mm -hmm. me on it, so they kept me on it a month. Um, I was pretty much put into remission just after a after month that, okay. of a very aggressive, yeah. fast-growing leukemia, which probably would have killed me by the end of the year if they had not found it. Very yeah, fast-growing. I'm thinking because like with your age at 14 and still a tremendous amount of physical growth to happen mm -hmm. in your body because you weren't a, a done growing adult. Just hitting those cells going through puberty. trying to stop yep. it, mm -hmm. like just trying to like stop this. Yes. They, Everything's I, very fast-growing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So this was an aggressive leukemia. They did a study drug that ended up putting me in remission. And um, then I got two weeks of chemotherapy kind of followed up after that just as a protocol, which was 
in the span, it was a month long. So mm-hmm. they hit you with chemo for a week. You're home. I had, you know, fever because your counts dropped down and then they would yeah. come back up. They would hit me again, go through that cycle again. And then I was good to go, mm-hmm. which was great. So yeah. got to go back into school, um, got to kind of recover from all of that and lost my hair still. Um, but my friends in my high school were amazing. They just welcomed me back in. And yeah. Yeah, couple. that's a pretty, that's because that's a tough time if you're kind of, well, I don't want to use the word normal, but the, you know, your average everyday teenager. Right. And, you know, in junior high, that's, that's a tough time. Mm-hmm. It's a tough time. And then you add this. Right. And uh, so. Like a traumatic experience. Yeah, like, and then you lose your hair. And then you, yeah. <laughs> then you lose Just your keep adding. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you find our show helpful in any way, Please let us know by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Your review will help us reach more listeners and continue to change lives. Let's get back to the show. It sounds like you had really great people in your mm-hmm. life that, yep. you know, yep. you were able to sort of navigate this and maintain some kind of teenage girl's life mm-hmm. having come out of the treatment and sort right. of getting back into regular teenage life. Right. Um, so kind of got back on our way. I um, graduated from high school, went to college, kind of stayed close to home. I was really close with my family so just like due to our circumstances. 16, how old are you? How old are you now? I gra- I'm how old were you when you graduated? 17. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So graduated at 17, went off to college, um, and Let me interrupt working. you for a sec, because mm-hmm. during this, what was going on and w- with, you know, um, just how did your getting sick and the treatment and, and all of that that's happened? Because mm-hmm. how long was that span of time that you were between going- the beginning of that initial diagnosis? I feel like it stopped kind of in January. Okay. So by the time I had my portacath put in yeah. with a Broviac and um, was put on the medicine, recovered from that, and then started the chemo and recovered from that and then got everything taken out. So, so it was it about like a five-month span, five four-month okay. span. And mm-hmm. what, how did that affect or play, like with a family dynamic? Did mm-hmm. you have a sister? I have a sister. And you, like you just said, you're very close with your, like you're, you're a close family. Yep. So what was that? I mean... Yeah, how did, what, that what was, how did that affect you guys? Like, I mean, did it bring you closer? Did you, did you do feel like you had to be strong for your parents or yeah. what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I have my two parents married at the time and I have a younger sister. So she was in, gosh, if I was in, she was in middle school, so she mm-hmm. wasn't too far behind me. Um, then my parents, yeah, I felt like I had to be strong for them at some point mm-hmm. just to be like, I'm going to be okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. to give them the hope and the yeah. encouragement. Um, so I think our dynamic, we were, we were all strong together mm-hmm. with me. You know, my parents handled it their own way. You know, mm-hmm. um, my sister probably had her own little outlet of handling the stress her own way. But as a whole, our family is very close. Mm-hmm. My grandmother came up on my mom's side. My dad's family lived really close to us, and we were very close knit yeah. in general. And then um, the church we attended at the time, we weren't highly involved at the time, but they, you know, supported us with meals right and prayer, and and you had they good were people. there. You had it was a small people. town, so if well, some, that, one that person sick, yeah. the whole town. Everybody knows, knows like within twelve hours, yes. <laughs> the and everybody chips in. Yes, yeah. It was a small town. We owned a 
very popular business yeah. and it was local. Wow. And so once, you know, I was diagnosed, everybody knew. Community stepped mm-hmm. in. Yeah. How so. wonderful. It, it I mean, really how, was. For all of you. Yes. Like for all of you. Yep. Okay. So we're jumping ahead now. You've graduated high school. Life is great. You, you know, you, you beat the cancer, you're yep. in college and you're a whole dip. Now we jump from like, sort of like newly into adolescence to kind of newly into, into young adulthood, adult. <laughs> a whole other exciting time. Like, I mean, yeah. you kind of pit, these moments are just showing up like mm-hmm. right at, you know, right forks the, in the road, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, was, there's purpose in that. Yes. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm in college now and I'm on spring break. Um, healthy, you know, I've always stayed really healthy. And you're feeling good. Yeah. Feeling okay. good, healthy, always worked out always really took care of my body. Yeah, Michelle just, is incredibly fit, by the way. She she comes to the <laughs> compound for our team workouts and or, and sometimes just comes to work out. Yeah. She's ama- in amazing shape. I so. try, but I take care of myself. <laughs> and she really my does history. take care of herself. <laughs> um, so we're on spring break with a group of friends and we get back and I'm like, man, my back is killing me. Like I either heard it in the car ride from mm. Connecticut to South Carolina and back. It's a long ride. Yeah. Um, from sitting too much, maybe I heard it when we were out or like at the beach, boogie boarding, whatever. So I was about 21 at the time. So it was March of 2001 and, or I was turning 21, um, that year. So I was 20 and was like, you know, I'm just going to go see an orthopedic or chiropractor, Mm. somebody, right. (laughs) Because my back's killing me. Literally couldn't move. I had to take... Um, a major painkiller to get me off off the bed and into the car to the appointment. Yeah. Um, get to the appointment. They take an x-ray of my back and kind of check it out. And they're like, your back's beautiful. Yeah. You have no issues going on in your back. And I'm like, well, that's great because I feel great. Otherwise, mm-hmm. my back's just killing me. Right. Um, so what did I do? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what's going on? There's got to be something wrong with me. I can't walk. So um, he shows me the x-ray and he's like, well, the problem is in your back. It's your kidney. So your kidney is the size if you make a fist. Yeah. It was twice the size. So kind of making mm-hmm. like a double fist. And he said, it looks like, you know, it, you have something going on with your kidney. It looks swollen. I was like, all right. Of course, I'm like, okay. Like, I'm a little nervous, but. Yeah. Did the wheels start? Did you? S- yes. And okay. of course, my mom went into panic, you know, somewhat well, of a yes. panic mode, like. We need to get this taken care of. Like, we need to figure out what yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's not like you had a really bad flu when you were 14. No. So when some, I would think when something comes up that looks odd, you're going to go into that, this is not making an appointment away two weeks. Yeah. We need to get answers <laughs> now. Right. Yes. Yeah. So we all start turning in my mind again, and we see a local urologist. Mm-hmm. That's who yeah. you would see if you yeah. have a kidney problem. Absolutely. So we go to him. He's amazing. He's a young guy. Um, probably like my age now, (laughs) (laughs) young guy, um, in his medical field. And we go to him and my mom explains what's going on. I kind of explain my history and all that. And he's like, well, let's do a biopsy. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, we do a biopsy. We finally get one after rounds of biopsies, not being able to either be read. They didn't get enough tissue or a biopsy got lost in the mail going from the hospital to him. So it was a process Uh, from March to May of 2001. There was a series of biopsies just with the urologist. He finally got the biopsy back and was like, you know, there's just more going on than what I can handle. Due to your history. Yeah. Yeah. 
he's like, your kidney's not just swollen. You know, there is a tumor there. There's something there that's not supposed to be there yeah. inside, inside of your kidney. <laughs> hmm. So he kind of explained like, you know, your left kidney is great, still functioning, but your other kidney shut off already because he could see the valves yes. where they split. Right. Your body is amazing. It takes over. It it's right? always trying to maintain. Yes, it balance. balance. Yep. yep. So my body was functioning correctly how it should be. So I really had no other problems going on. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so he tells us to go back to Yale New Haven Children's Hospital. And we left that office and I was the angriest that I could be at that time. <laughs> what And what were you angry about specifically? Or who were you angry um, with? Not even angry with anyone per mm -hmm. se, just angry with the fact that like, why are we doing this again? What, what, you know, why me throwing yeah. a pity party, but really just angry with like, again, like I have to do this again. Yeah. Like is this my time now or am I going to go through another series of treatment or do I just need surgery? I mean, there's a million questions that right. go through your mind. Um, it was a really quiet car ride. I was going to say <laughs> how quiet was that car ride? <laughs> because I'm an adult now, right? Yes. Functioning with my own emotions yeah. and my own vision for my life, my own yeah. plans at that point. And I have my parents sitting in the front seat. And at that time they were kind of separating, um, into a divorce, so they weren't really, they were kind of separate in their thoughts, mm -hmm. but we still had to function as a family, right? right? And work but what, together. But really, what do you talk <laughs> about on that car ride? Because once again, you kind of get hit with news. Unexpected. And I think it just, it has yeah. to pro, like, talk about processing mm -hmm. and having been through it once before. I, I would, I don't know. Now I, and I'm, I'm really don't know what I'm saying here. It's mm -hmm. just thoughts in my head. Mm -hmm. When you haven't been through that already, or you haven't experienced a, a massive health crisis. Mm -hmm. There's like getting hit with news and then just kind of the, well, what is it going to be like? Is there right. going to be pain involved? There's like what, but then there's a million been emotions through it mm -hmm. and having that experience as a filtering process for getting the news, like getting news again and not yes. knowing exactly, but the possibility of, I have to do this again. I, That's what I was angry <laughs> with. Like, yeah. I don't want to be sick again. I don't want to lose my hair again. I don't want We'll be kind I of taken out of life sick. a little bit yeah. again because that whole time, like at 14, not that you weren't living or alive or involved in life, but it's very it different than if you were getting yeah. up and going to school and playing field hockey and having sleepovers mm -hmm. and doing all those things that 14-year-old girls do and being silly and dreaming and running and all of that. Right. So you kind of, you do kind of have to disengage from life because the focus mm -hmm. is all about resting and healing and treatments and doctor's appointments. Oh, and yeah. now at 21, at 21, when all these, like it's it a whole other new, <laughs> yeah. like new things that you, like you said, you had a vision as mm -hmm. far as your life and what it was going to look like and probably feel like and sound like and plans. Right. Like, and now it's like graduating college and stop sign. Yeah. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. It's, it's fresh. It was frustrating at the time and I was pretty upset. Um, you know, I had a, a boyfriend at the time and I had to explain all this to. Um, I had a lot of different and new friends I yeah. had to explain this to. I had to move out of my college dorm. Um, a lot had to happen between March and May with my original pain I was having right. to when we went back up to Yale New Haven Children's Hospital. So, yeah, so we ended up back there. Um, my room got unpacked from college. Everything got moved home. 
Um, my sister was actually graduating at that time or no, not graduating. She was a junior in high school. Um, so that puts us in May mm-hmm. of 2001 back at Yale New Haven Children's Hospital and getting one more biopsy per my oncologist. So that biopsy was probably the most traumatic <laughs> biopsy somebody would want to go through. Right. Um, again, pain medicines didn't work. Um, they had to stick about um, a 10-inch needle into the side of my body and not disrupt the tumor because if you don't it want to make exploded, it angry, <laughs> then it's going to go everywhere in your body. Yeah. Um, my mom sat through that biopsy with me with one of her um, best friends waiting in the waiting room. It's always good to have a team yes. with you when you're getting a lot of medical information thrown at you. Oh, absolutely. Because um, I'm only taking it in as the patient, right? Yes. As the victim, yes. quote unquote. My mom's taking it in as someone who's traumatized. And her so child, her baby. Yes, it's good <laughs> to have someone who's like, okay, I, I can focus. Yes. Um, went through that biopsy with a lot of blood being poured out, um, a lot of crying, and finally made it into the recovery room um, where I could rest and my mom could have a peace of mind without watching her child go through all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and her girlfriend was there to kind of keep us you know, yeah. in the reality yes. of it all. Right. Yeah. So an anchor. yes, a bit of an anchor. Yeah. Yes. I think my dad was probably with my sister. Um, he had then come up later, but they again came through those doors giving us the report that I now have a different kind of cancer called Ewing sarcoma. Um, which again was extremely rare to find it number one in your kidney and number two in someone my age. So you're like an overachiever, but in everything <laughs> that we don't want to be overachieving. Exactly. In, like, I've done it you all do early. Big. My yeah. gosh, girl. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you're enjoying today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. I wanted to back up there when you mm-hmm. when they're coming through those doors. Do you just before they even get to you, do you see them and go, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I know what they're going to say. Yeah. That second time? Or the do you second just a time I feeling? knew because I mean, I feel like if you're at that point and yeah. you're sitting in the back chemo room of a children's cancer hospital, there's a pretty good chance you're it's probably going to get that diagnosis. Yeah. Um because it's out of the hands of the normal doctors at that that's point. Right. And that's why we're there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they came through those doors again. And I kind of knew just because they knew me very well. I had gone there for six years to get my checkups and to yeah, see I'm them. Yeah, I'm surprised they did like a lab coat and a stethoscope. And-, <laughs> and I got to go back in the labs, too, which was really oh, cool. Oh, really? You know, okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that. But yeah. I was like, let me see, you know. Let me yeah. see what it's all about. But so, yeah, I've got that new diagnosis. And I remember them looking at me and saying, you just have bad luck. And I was like, all right. So, now are you angry then? Hearing yeah. that, like bad luck, like why? Yeah. Did you like, ever think what like, did I do what wrong? did I do? What did I, like a punishment <laughs> thing? Like, okay, so what did I do that I deserve this? Did you ever have um, that mindset? No. Okay, No. Um, my mindset always stayed somewhat healthy in that perspective. But my mind went to the, well, does this have anything to do with the chemo that I had and the retinoic mm. acid I was on and all this other stuff I was on. Um, 
Yes, because when you're getting treated, like, and you were treated very aggressively, that the intention is to kill the bad cells, but the reality is it, it kills the good. It kills yeah. good cells. Even like now, as as mm-hmm. much as as cancer treatments have advanced, mm-hmm. people going into that know that it's you know the intention is to destroy and kill cancer, mm-hmm. but healthy cells are going to be affected. I mean, oh, like you yeah. lost your hair, and that's a healthy and that's cell. Why I think <laughs> yeah. That's healthy. So you know, yep. yeah, obviously was. Yeah, is this a is this a um, like yeah a result of exactly and does it have to do anything you know does it relate to the leukemia I have anything Mm -hmm. and they said no um the only similarity is one teeny tiny little cell that shouldn't even link up with the fact that your quote-unquote bone cancer is in your kidney so it shouldn't have even formed there yeah um so those are the questions running through my mind was could we have maybe not have caused this to happen. I mean, yeah. this is such a rare case again. Um, so again, dealing with the trauma from hearing that again and just the anger and the mm-hmm. frustration of like, now what are we doing? Like, what is your protocol? Yeah. Like, what's next? Because you have been now for the second time, mm-hmm. there's no there's no bar to measure you against. This right. is extremely rare. I'm Not on one-on-one on one occasion, but now two cases. So you've, mm-hmm. you've like, you're batting a thousand now as far as rare. They've never seen it. They've never seen it. At so now you become mm-hmm. almost something of a... Not not a test, but a means to probably learn mm-hmm. for them. It's like, okay, we this is just we don't this, know how to treat we don't, it. We don't know yeah. how we don't know what to do. This has never happened, right? So moving forward, how do we do this so mm-hmm. that if if this one in a billion ever happens again, we have, have something plan. to go back to? Yep. So you almost became like this. Okay, here I am. Yeah, learn. Yeah, <laughs> and, and at that kind of hospital, that's what you are. It's a teaching yeah. hospital, so I saw many people. Um, so. Got the diagnosis and um, was admitted pretty quickly. They kept me in. Um, They wanted to get my kidney out as soon as possible. They scanned my body to make sure that the tumor wasn't anywhere else. They ran their normal blood work. Mm. Um, They kind of gave me the plan as to what they thought it was going to look like. Um, So they said a year of chemo but we don't know how to exactly treat you yet because you've maxed out right. the other. What happens is with chemotherapy, which is liquid therapy, is you can only have certain amounts of dosages mm-hmm. of certain amounts of drugs So, and certain kinds of drugs. The way they treated me with the leukemia was so aggressive that I couldn't have that same again. drug again to the extent that I had it with the chemo mm-hmm. from the leukemia. So... They said, you know, kind of, this is our idea. This is kind of our plan. It's going to be a year of chemo. You're going to need a porticath put in, which everything goes up and under the skin at that yep. point. Um, it's kind of part of you. Yes. Um, we're going to take your kidney out. You're going to recover from that. So plan the surgery. It happens to be the same day as my sister's junior prom. And my parents were able to somehow manage to still have life go on. Wow. The day I was getting my kidney out. <laughs> yeah. So my mom, my grandmother, my dad, and the boyfriend at the time were there to be with me. Right. And then my mom and dad left mm-hmm. while I went into In surgery, surgery. Right. Left and went home and did the her prom, prom thing. Gave her her prom. <laughs> for my sister. Wow. And then... 
came back to the hospital eight hours later. Right. Long surgery. Yeah. And they were able to be there um, during that surgery. And I'll never forget, I actually woke up towards the end of my surgery before I was supposed to. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Sat up with, like, my side open. And I remember all the doctors talk about, like, scaring the crap out of the doctors. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Anesthesiologists, well, I was so, I was under for so long that they were trying to gradually pull me out. Right. And they, I had just kind of woken up (laughs) a little bit quicker than they thought. Um, Again, overachiever. Yes. I was like, well, get me out of here. I'm done with surgery now. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So (laughs) to add some comedy into it. um, So they got me back out and they brought me out. And Mm. the first thing I said to them when I met with my doctors was, can I see my kidney? Oh, because they keep, they, they keep it to biopsy. biopsy. Did they show you? No, they actually contain it because it's cancer, right? They don't want that stuff floating around anywhere. Um, and it's biohazardous. So that was the first thing I said to them. Um, so I had to recover from that surgery um, for six to eight weeks because mm-hmm. it's major surgery. What they had to do is take out about two inches around that tumor to make sure everything was out. Well, they got everything and my scans were still clear. So I was yeah. like, oh, well, I'm good to go. Like, yeah. I don't need a treatment. Yeah, it was, you know, um, malignant tumor and it was the Ewing sarcoma, but I don't, I mean, it's nowhere else, right? Yeah. Like you took everything. Here I yeah. am playing doctor and yeah. You kind of almost have that freedom as a patient to be like, well, I don't, I can refuse treatment, right? Right. But you have that thought behind you, like, well, what if it comes back? And I could have... Because for you, cancer, even though it wasn't the same, did come back. It did come back. It came back to you. Right. That word came back. Not the same kind, but yeah. Yeah. So they really pushed me to have the chemotherapy and they worked actually, once they really found out Mm-hmm. the intensity of that actual tumor being mm-hmm. in a soft tissue, tissue. versus bone, bone. They were like, well, we're going to treat this very aggressively. Because it never should have happened. By right. medical... Right. There was no reason that should yeah, have appeared. it should not have happened. Right. So we had um, same team of doctors. I had some amazing nurses. So we started... And you're back on a chemo protocol. Yes. Yeah. So I shaved my hair right away because mm-hmm. I knew the, yep. what was going to happen. Um, the, the only upside to chemo is you don't have to shave. Um, yeah. So ever. You don't 15, have any hair anywhere. minutes of maintenance every day. Yeah. I'm like, well, and they are like, you can't even go near a razor because if you bleed, you're, yeah. you're going to just bleed out, yeah. you know, because you yes. have no nothing. So we start treatment. Um, the treatment plan was made up by Sloan Kettering, John Hopkins, and Yale New Haven mm-hmm. um, hospitals because they've never treated anyone right. with like me. So they f- maxed me out on that one chemo right. drug ha- like a third of the way through. Okay. So they had to do a new cocktail mm-hmm. for the rest of my treatment for that year. Okay. So the year kind of looked like, you know, at 20 years old, here I am looking forward to turning 21 and having a lot of fun um, and graduating college. Mm-hmm. I'd be in the hospital for one week getting treatment 24-7 around the clock in one little hospital room. Mm -hmm. I would go home two days later. My counts would drop. and So now you're susceptible to getting sick? Neutropenic. So I have zero. My blood count was literally zero. You can't (laughs) fight anything. Can't fight anything. Like a cold or anything. Right. 
So my sister's still in school. I remember her getting mono and having to live with my grandparents because if I got that, I would have been done. Um, My body would not have been able to fight that virus. So you're doing a week of chemo, two weeks kind of off. Technically, Technically. two weeks (laughs) off and then chemo again. And that was, or they would do it earlier if your counts came back up okay. sooner. It's all based on the counts coming back up. And that was the plan for the, the next year. 12 months. Okay. Yes. But you pretty much looking ahead with that, like chemo doing that to you, you your boy, like counts getting so low. So even when you go home to rest, it's not like it's your not health resting. is like two weeks of health. You, you're basically looking at a year of feeling sick. Yes. All the time. Yeah. Or being sick or potentially being sick. Right. So when you're in the hospital getting chemotherapy, they're able to give you IV drugs to help with nausea and your appetite and headaches and whatever symptoms you get. Right. So I actually ate really well. Yeah. You said you kept a good appetite. Yeah. While I was in the hospital, um, I lived, you know, I was living in the hospital in New Haven, which has the best food around (laughs) in Connecticut. So I would order food. Yeah. I would bring in all my own blankets and shower stuff mm-hmm. and I would order food with the nurses and mm-hmm. I actually ate pretty well. So my chemo week in the hospital wasn't awful. I would get some side effects, but they don't really hit you until you start After, to get home, yeah. which is kind of when you want to be in the hospital, but they yes. don't want you there because your blood count is low. Yeah. And that's, and that's the worst, I mean, worst place to oh, be. We talked about this, yes. how the hospital is where you go to get better, but when you're sick, it's the worst place to be. Yeah. So what would yeah. happen is then I would be home. I'd my counts would be down and I would actually got an infection. I think every time my counts Mm. went down. So when you have an infection and your blood count is zero, you go back into the hospital. So I would either end up back up at Yale or I would be in our local hospital, which happened to just open up an oncology center Mm. at the hospital. Um, So they were able to work with my doctors at Yale and kind of treat me close to home so that my parents could still work. I had other family close by, I had friends close by. Um, Yale was an hour and a half from our hometown. So it wasn't like it was convenient to just get there. If um, there were instances where we did have to make emergency trips to Yale's ER because my fever was so high and I was so lethargic and sick Mm -hmm. just from my counts being so low. Um, I had heart infection. I had infections everywhere. So Mm -hmm. the heart infection was kind of crazy. Um, because once it's in your heart, it spreads throughout your body rapidly because your heart's pumping that blood everywhere. So that was a little intense to go through and scary. They wanted to airlift me from New Milford Hospital to Yale and treat me pretty harshly antibiotic-wise, which they did, and now I figured out I'm allergic to the medicine they treated me with. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you find our show helpful in any way, Please let us know by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Your review will help us reach more listeners and continue to change lives. Let's get back to the show. So you have a, uh, you reached a point where you were like, that's it. Mm-hmm. So towards the end of treatment, um, I was pretty tapped out. I was about you know what I look like now. I'm mm-hmm. about 128, 128 mm-hmm. pounds. I was about 90 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, still trying to eat as much as I could. But right. when you're going through chemo and your body's like that, you're in flight or flight it's mode. It's constantly. Constant. It's, it needs so it's fighting. Fuel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like t- a vehicle with a leak in the gas mm-hmm. tank, really, because it's just... It still works, burn- yeah, but you're just you're burning, burning it. it. Yep. Yeah. So 
there was a point that I was pretty sick towards the end laying on the couch. And my mom told me this post-treatment and post-recovery um, that she looked at me and I said, I just want to fall asleep and never wake up. Yeah. Like my body was done. My mind was, was tapped out. That was it. Um, in the midst of it, I knew I was going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I had this weird sense of hope, even though we weren't really involved in church yeah. like I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had people praying for us and we had people bringing meals over. And there was just this this small sense of hope and peace mm. that I was going to be fine. But I think at that point, I was just so exhausted. Well, your body been just ravaged. Yes. Really? Right. So you finished what? How early did you, did you say that's early. it? Okay. Yep. So you, you almost did the year. Like I almost made it the all, year. Yeah. Yeah. And you were done. And they also, if I remember correctly from our conversation, mm-hmm. yes, you had the surgery as far as you were concerned, they got it all, mm-hmm. but okay, let's better safe than sorry. Right. So you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you just reached that point. Yeah. And so from then on, you've been fine. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little disturbing to think about in, in a good yeah. way. Right. You know, I feel like I want to go back up to them and be like, do you really need a year of chemo with this treatment? Right. <laughs> you know, because I, I, they had me clear the whole time. They were checking that whole year Yeah, and my body was clean. Yeah. So technically what the chemo was fighting wasn't even really there. Mm. It was just a, let's just do this just in case there's anything lingering for a year. So when I told them I didn't want my last treatment, I was pretty confident in saying that and I refused to get that last round and I said, I want my portacath out. You know, we kept it in a little bit just to get some blood transfusions mm-hmm. to keep me Boost you looking bit. alive yeah. and a little pink in the face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was really freeing and refreshing. Mm. And I was pretty confident that I was done. And just putting, not that I needed the power to say that, but being like, look, I'm done. Like, yeah. My body's tapped. I don't want to do this one more month because yeah. one more month isn't just one week of chemo. No. It's the week of it's chemo, the, month the infections. Of being sick. Yeah. yeah. And what and what else might happen? It, right, exactly. And what did they just kind of like I'm gonna jump ahead here because mm-hmm. I mean at twenty one, like you, going back to that really powerful sentence you said mm-hmm. about how you had a vision for your life. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that obviously got derailed a little bit. I mean And a lot had, changed in that year. A lot changed. Yeah. It's a big year. But what like after having gone through that, what were some of the things that they sort of said, okay, look, moving forward, here's some things that, you know, don't maybe don't expect to have in your life or this is how you mm-hmm. your body has been we pretty much assaulted your body in a massive yeah. way chemically. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the things that they prepared you for that mm-hmm. you might as a young woman looking ahead at okay I'm back on my vision track now right that you think that might not be in the cards for me now yeah so a lot changed um so I had a boyfriend at the time and I remember the doctors coming in and looking at us and being like you might not be able to have children pretty much between mm-hmm. your past experience and what we're going to hit you with now so what are your thoughts on getting eggs Pretty much taking yeah. his sperm and my egg and making babies and freezing. Freezing, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 20, you know, almost 20 years ago, yeah. that's expensive. It was like 20 grand a year to keep embryos with someone who I in the wasn't frozen even hotel. marry <laughs> in a frozen hotel for I don't know how many years, yeah. right? 
And I mean, yet yeah, you can sort of see that. why I can sort of see like from if I get into my science medical head, I can understand. I totally understand the offer, that. but yes. I'd also be like a twenty-one going. Are you kidding me? I don't. I'd be like, I, don't, I just had you my even kidney like coffee. Out. Yes, <laughs> I just had my kidney out. Yeah, um, really, I, I just sh- had my kidney out. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm marrying this person, yeah. and I I'm going to be going through a year of chemo. Like I, yeah, I can't make that decision. Yeah. I'm just gonna just trust. God at the time. I mean, I didn't really have a full relationship Mm -hmm. with even Jesus at the time. And, and I'm just like, I, I'm not doing that. I, it was not, it's amazing looking back how God had his hand over me, even Mm. though we weren't totally connected. Right. I wasn't doing my part. He was doing his part. right? Right. So I just was like, you know, in my gut, I was like, I'm not marrying him. I don't want to think about having babies and I think I'm going to be fine. Yeah. And it's a, a weird that's very, feeling. But that's a very empowering mindset as a young woman who yes. has gone through two incredibly rare cancer diagnoses, yes. survived them both. That's yeah. a very, because you could have easily fallen into a fear mindset. Mm-hmm. And again, this is just and me. Yes, let's do it. Fear, let's we're do gonna, it because, oh my gosh, yeah. what if, what if, what mm-hmm. if? And you just were like, no. Like, like that I is think an, I'm going to be fine. After everything, after everything, <laughs> and mm-hmm. at major turning points in a, in a woman's or any yeah. person's lifetime, puberty, young adulthood, mm-hmm. that's a very powerful mindset yes. to be in. And a like, lot happened in that year. Um 9-11 happened that year. I remember sitting in my bed at home watching, literally watching the cameras from Good yeah. Morning America shift to their outside camera and, and watch over everything. And over and over again. I watched it live and yeah. I was like, what in the world is going on? My sister had to come home from college. We lived right outside of New York City. So yeah. this was really weird for us. And then my grandmother, my Nana had come over to make sure I was fine. My parents were at work. You know, here I am an adult. I'm okay to be at home, mm-hmm. sick, whatever. Um, So that happened. Um, I ended up breaking up with that boyfriend Mm -hmm. in my gut again. I, it was like God was telling me things, and I wasn't really asking Him. He was guiding. He was guiding me using my gut instincts, right? So, got rid of that relationship. Um, Felt really good about that, and Mm -hmm. was like, "Wow, no wonder!" Like, I'm so happy I didn't make that choice to freeze embryos, right? (laughs) Oh my goodness! Yes. So that happened. Little Perks, meeting Adam Sandler in the midst yes, of my treatment. Yes, tell us about treatment. meeting Adam Sandler. Yeah, so... Because that's something that we missed in our conversation, but you had yeah, with, um, with, with Mike. Mike. But with Mike. Yeah. Mike yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Our, is our boss at Critical Bench. And yeah, so, so it was You had really a conversation fun. in the hallway afterwards and came and running back to the office. Yeah, so it's really <laughs> weird, you know, how this all worked. Um, I was also had an oncologist in New Milford where I lived, and his uncle or his... his great uncle was one of the three stooges. So weird, right? So I'm like, okay, well, that's not my time, but I know who they are. Yeah. And Mr. Deeds, the movie was being filmed in our town, two blocks away from the hospital that I was being treated at. And he's like, oh, you love Adam Sandler? To me in my age group and 20 years ago, Adam Sandler was huge. He was was like the comedian. Yeah. He did shows at our college, just a bunch of stuff. So we um, were talking and he's like, oh, you're an Adam Sandler fan? Because everybody's talking about the movie being right. filmed, right? Yeah. In town. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, he's amazing. So, and <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> Duh. Why would you think otherwise? <laughs> so he's like, well, I can get him to meet you 
on the side of that, friends knew I was a huge fan and were writing letters to him and literally giving them to the security guard to give to Adam Sandler. So by the time my doctor got to Adam Sandler, yeah. because it was easy for him to get in, he was friends yes. with all the producers, Yes, he already knew who I was. Oh. So again, small town, everybody was trying to help me out by meeting community. Adam Sandler. I just keep hearing community in my head, like yeah. community, community, community. So... He got us a chance ah. to meet him. I got to walk on set and Adam was like, Michelle, like oh I was gosh. famous, right? Yeah. And I was like, well, ah. you kind of are. I mean, come on. Well, in like, the hometown. You can go make, anybody can make a movie, but not everybody right. can get rare cancer <laughs> twice in their twice. lifetime. And I'm yeah. not making light of that. But, but like, I think there has to, we've got to bring some because your story, yeah. we could easily go down this very dark, depressing mm-hmm. path. But I mean, your story fills me and I've never had cancer. I have a lot of mm-hmm. that in my family. Yeah. But it makes me, your story makes me smile. And mm-hmm. I want all of you out there listening to smile. So, I mean, yeah, Adam Sandler makes movies and he's worth millions of dollars. But he but was like so excited. to do that. <laughs> you try getting cancer twice, rare, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. And surviving it. Well, he made me like the spotlight, he had brought me in into the set while they were filming. Yeah. And he is the producer of the movie. So he was able to oh. be on the backside. Wow. And he sat down with me and interviewed me. There you go. He wanted to wow. know what I was going through, like who am I that he's been hearing about. Wow. And I was able to chat with him and sit in his chair while they directed. So in that moment, you just got to be Michelle, not sick Michelle. Yeah. Like you got to just somebody's interest. Michelle, not not sick Michelle. It wasn't a doctor interviewing you or a nurse or somebody asking questions about you. I was on a movie set. And you're on a movie set. How (laughs) about that? Oh, Um, we should have tried to get him in on this podcast. I know. (laughs) If you're out there listening, Adam, (laughs) we need you. We got coffee on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So. Not only was he on the set, but Winona Ryder was, and she came over, oh, and wow. she wouldn't talk to anybody. She's very yeah. high profile at the time. Yeah. And um, she was came she over. Was she dating Johnny Depp at the time? I don't know. Mm. 20 years ago. I'll have to Google it. Um, but <laughs> she came over, and she gave us some of her time and wow. talked with my mom and me and my sister and my dad, and it was just really cool to see them be so normal and normal to put people me and make you spotlight. feel normal. Yeah. yeah. And it was just really neat. So we spent like a half a day there and I watched wow. them film and we got pictures and autographs and he called Adam Sandler, took my, like myself, my first cell phone was like the little like the flip, flip one. Phones? I don't yeah. even know if it was a flip phone. It might've been the Nokia. Um, no, but <laughs> I have a picture. I have a whole, I have to find it. I think yeah. it's at my dad's. Yeah. Um, but I have an album of this oh, whole okay. event and wow. He was calling like my family members. Oh, <laughs> wow. It was. it was a lot oh, of fun. So cool. there were some little happy moments in there. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. And then actually when I were, had recovered, my uh, girlfriend and I, it was kind of like when I refused my last treatment, yeah. we went to Disney World and spent some time there. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you're enjoying today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. So, so you've been cancer-free or like it goes from remission to cancer-free? I'm yep, not, so they so, give you like six five, years. Six years? Okay. Yep. So they were like, you're cancer-free? And yep. I was like, well, I knew that. And I mean, you may I, not have kids and all mm-hmm. of the, you know, you kind of actually move it. Because again... 
these both of these should never have happened. The right. treatment protocols that you were on are were completely brand renaissance. New. They were really brand like new, yeah. brand new, like you know, renegade and mm-hmm. and so going forward in life, I mean, you kind of, I mean, you take world the world by the horns and live it because you've yep. just been through all this, but you don't really, you know, going forward, what are some of these effects going to be? So again, we yeah. fast forward again. Mm-hmm. And you meet Brian. I meet Brian. You yeah. Meet so Brian. I've and Brian's here, by the way. He's <laughs> sitting over in the, he's in like, the dining he's, room. He's on production, uh, <laughs> in production mode right now. So, so yep. I graduate college. I had a lot of fun. Probably too much fun um, through college. I think you deserved. But I was I think single. You deserved and it. I didn't date anyone. I actually um, accepted Jesus as my savior in college. And I just felt like I needed to be back in church. Well, let's, okay. Let me ask you about that because I know that, I know that you and Brian, your family, a very, a very strong connection Mm -hmm. to your faith. Yes. It's very anchor. It's very much an anchor point in your family. Mm -hmm. And it's really wonderful to see that and feel that like Mm -hmm. around you guys. Cause it's just, it's, it resonates from your, and Mm -hmm. from within your home. And it's not like you got sick and you found Jesus. Like Mm-mm. you, you know, you you do say that you. We had a we were going to yeah, church. You were going to church, so it's like you you know but, you knew who God was. Yes, you had knew who that. Jesus you was. had that. You, yeah. yeah, you knew all that. But and it wasn't like this was sort of like your we'll call it like your come to Jesus moment. Nope, necessarily. Mm-mm. But throughout this, like you said, you were, you were being guided. He was mm-hmm. looking after you. He was caring. I like to say, I like to, I kind of picture yes, like carrying Jesus you, carrying you, carries yes. you, even though we're not aware of it, we're being carried through because mm-hmm. he doesn't make the bad things happen. He gets nope. us through those yes. times, but what or where in that or coming out of that, did you kind of have that moment where all of a sudden this connection was, it was just, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like there was no aha moment for mm-hmm. me. Like I said, we I grew up Episcopalian. My mom was Catholic. My dad was Lutheran. So we went to church. We had the knowledge of everything, right? Um, and we actually were in a more charismatic Episcopalian church. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew about Jesus. Um, we had an awesome pastor um, or priest at the time. So we had a good relationship with our church. We just weren't actively involved. Right. And it wasn't like we had to walk out our faith. Right. Mm-hmm. So I kind of always had this sense of security going to church and it was always in me. Mm-hmm. And going through the chemo and going through everything, I still had that sense of, okay, I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Then in college, my girlfriend um, had started dating, you know, her husband now at the time, and he was a Christian. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, aren't we all kind of Christians, right? Like, right. I kind of knew that term yeah. a little bit. And she's like, no, no, you got to check out this church. It's totally different than what we grew up in. And we grew up together in this church, yeah. um, my girlfriend, Kristen, and I. And at that same time, I was kind of like, gosh, I really feel this desire to go back to church, but I want something a little more in depth or something different. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that was just God literally like putting that in me. Yeah. Well, may- and maybe now you had, not that you have to make time for God, but maybe at those ages and with what was going on, you you, could, you might not have fully been. You, now you could be fully present in that yes. experience and with him. Back, yeah, I could see where God was definitely preparing me and yeah, giving me those seasons. But um, yeah, so I actually got saved in college, and wow. it was kind of a rare moment. It wasn't this huge mm-hmm. aha moment for me. Mm-hmm. It was a process, and um. I was really on fire for the Lord then. And I was like, man, like 
then I was like, wow, like he brought me through these two scenarios. Like, what does he have for me? Right. Yeah. Now life's exciting again. Right. Like, woohoo. Okay. Vision. (laughs) Yep. Vision's coming back a little bit. And I was in college and in the Northeast in college, you're most likely not getting saved. Right. And not coming to know the Lord, but it just happened to be very timely for me. And it, everything worked out perfectly. And I had a really awesome mentor and she really guided me through my first year of really coming to know the Lord Mm -hmm. and, um, graduate. I never really dated. I didn't Mm -hmm. have any serious relationships from that last one. And I just kind of enjoyed my life and hung out with a bunch of people. I graduated college. I got a job at Cuisinart, worked the corporate world. I got to design product for them and travel it was just a lot of fun. And then I'm like, well, I think I'm going to move to Nashville because that's where I'm going to find a really cute Southern Christian boy, right? To marry <laughs> because they're all I'm in Nashville. At Brian, I'm <laughs> trying to picture him in a big white Stetson and I'm just not yeah. getting it. I'm With just a I'm not hat getting on. it. I'm not getting it. But anyway, so I'm like, that was my vision for a yeah. husband. Like I got to get out of the Northeast because you just need a new, a new environment. They're not here. Like, yeah, all my friends were in the city. Nobody was really yeah. getting married unless they had moved away and they got married and had kids. Right. Um, everyone was career oriented or they were married already and had kids. And I'm like, well, maybe I should just move, right? My best friend's in Nashville. I'll just head that way and find myself a good church boy to marry and we're going to have a happy life, right? So yeah. um, that wasn't, it didn't really pan out that way. And I stayed in my area, which is Stanford. Um, it's in the little piece that sticks into New York mm-hmm. um, right before the city. And I stayed there and was going to a church, um, a non-denominational church at that time. Mm-hmm. And Brian had moved up for work and he was living like maybe five miles from that church. So he was attending that church. Oh. But this church had like eight services. So the likelihood of us meeting ah. was rare. He worked seven days a week at the time because Yeah, he but could. you like to make rarity your normal. Yes. So I mean yes. talking it to had the to be very of rare things. <laughs> <laughs> had to be a rare moment. Um so get this. This is really how we met. I got a staph infection. A rare staph infection. <laughs> not not of your course. normal staph infection, mind you. <laughs> like bubonic plague staph infection yes. or something, right? So now. I had foot surgery. I never wear stilettos with pointed toes yes. things anymore. They're awful for your feet. So I had foot surgery to correct that and just mm-hmm. make myself feel better, whatever. So I got a staph infection from that. So I had to be on IV 24-7. And... At this point, do, you like, just, do they just hand you everything? Go, Michelle, yes, just, get, just, just do it. Just it do it in. Just hang yep. it up. Do it. We'll be back in 20 minutes. To They're like, you. are you scared to get? I'm like, no, just do it wherever <laughs> you need to do it. Um, I could tell you which vein works yes. really well for blood. Um, so I'm in church with like a boot on and an IV in my arm. And I'm sitting in the back because I'm like, well, I don't, I don't feel good. And I don't really want to mm. be like, I didn't really dress up or anything. Yeah. Right. And in walks this guy. No like, cowboy he's hat. He's really cute. No cowboy hat, no Southern <laughs> accent, nothing. Um, and he sits like at the pew across yeah. the aisle and we do communion together. And then somehow when we're leaving, he manages to get out there to open the door for me to walk out of Aww. church. And I'll never forget. So Southern gentleman. Southern gentleman, yes. yes. And didn't have the accent. I was like, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but... We connected right away. And a lot of it was just that we were both very adventurous and healthy and an active lifestyle. And I'll never forget. I'm like, why did did you approach me? Because I have a boot on and an IV in my arm. 
Yeah. He's like, no, I thought you were cute. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> He's a keeper. And I'll, I tell my, I told my sister, I'm like, I think this is the guy I'm going to marry. Like, I just had this feeling. Yeah. And normally when I have those feelings, I'm, I'm right, yeah, you yeah. know. So, um, yeah, we dated wow. every, we talked every day since that day. He took me on our first date and found out I was a little bit older. I mm-hmm. thought he was the older one mm. and that we share pretty much the same birthday, four oh. years apart. Um so, he was from the South, though. Florida yeah. is South for me. Not yes. anymore. I'm like, nobody's really sou- Southern yeah, this here. This is deep South for me. <laughs> <laughs> from Canada, from, yes. Yeah, this is very deep South. So, yeah, but it, it and my so, name was supposed to be Brian if I was a boy. My parents are going to name me Brian. I'm like, well, see, it's all meant see, to be. It's all meant to be. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you find our show helpful in any way, Please let us know by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Your review will help us reach more listeners and continue to change lives. Let's get back to the show. Now I want to jump ahead a little bit Mm -hmm. because here we are today. And (laughs) you've got this beautiful family Mm -hmm. and you're healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And... You have this company, mm-hmm. and what is your company called? It's called Tribe Essentials. Yes, yep. and tell us first of all, tell us how Tribe because we have we have this stuff, stuff here yep. came to be because I love this product, <laughs> but sort of the background. parlay how yeah. this. Because I really feel like there's, I mean, definitely like I, you know, that saying nothing happened. Like we things just don't happen. Nothing, there's always, yeah, there's a always a reason. There's always a it's reason, a and there's gifts. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to, I, I don't want to insult or, you know, claim like, oh well, you got cancer. So what were the gifts? Because that can sound a little harsh. Yeah. But you went through two in very like rare circumstances. Two massive storms, mm-hmm. massive storms in your life. Yeah. And you got through. Like you didn't just get through them. Like you're, you're thriving. Like you're not just. You didn't just survive. Yeah. You thrived. Post and here's the key word. Most people say, "Oh, I'm a cancer survivor." I'm like, "Well, if you're surviving, you're still clinging on. Like, if you're surviving through yeah. a storm, you're still grasping onto something storm in fear. Still the storm yeah. still that you're but surviving. You're thriving. you're thriving, and you're an overcomer. Yeah. So, so yeah. How there's, did this? Because there's, there's got to be some. Because this just you didn't. I don't think you just woke up one morning and thought, ah. I know. I feel go like, to the kitchen and grab some things <laughs> yeah, and whip them up and, and whip them up. Put them on my arm and just see yeah. what I feel like. They're little. They're little nuggets. They're little yeah. downloads from God. And yes, I've had cancer twice, and no, I don't know why. We all have those chromosomes that don't yeah. match correctly Do in our bodies, matters, right? Knowing no. why? No. Yeah. No. Um, I like and that. I think that's the biggest part of the whole piece. You know that the kind of the end story is just the hope that I can give people is you're going to get what you get. God yes. doesn't give you bad stuff to be this awful God. He is allowing things to happen to produce something in you. Right. right. And there's hope that can be given. And like I had, you know, we had talked about in our little interview before my uncle had cancer. Yeah, the you guys same were fighting cancer at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and he passed away. It'll be two years or three years this year. And I remember sitting with my cousin and my aunt 
when he was sick and we were waiting for hospice to come. And he had accepted Jesus as his savior um, a couple weeks before he passed. And he was just, he knew he was going to heaven. Like he had an aha moment. Yeah. And it was awesome. And I remember looking at my aunt and she was just so confused as to like, why? Why is this happening? Like we moved here to retire and and have our lives together with our grandchildren and not have to work and do all this. And I'm like, because there's a purpose in it. There is so much purpose in it. Like he also had a rare diagnosis and some rare things happen and they can help people going forward. You go through those storms to help other people, not for yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They build you to a certain point, but it's so you can pour it out to other people. So the vision. So you're pouring out. Yes. So (laughs) the tribe essentials, tribe is who you do life with, right? And then the essentials is what's essential to you. Um, You know, and that I use essential oils to scent it. Um, So it actually started with a product I don't even make, which are bath bombs. They're not easy to make. They're they're very finicky. (laughs) Um, If you want them to be like what you're buying in the store, then just go to the store. It's not worth. um, I just haven't mastered that yet. And I was kind of soaking in a tub with bath bomb full of dyes. And I'm like, well, for some reason, God was like, you're just soaking in all this stuff. And I was like, I should make something. Because what you're putting on your body is ingested and not that anything I did or my parents did caused cancer, no. but there are preventatives that you can take. Well, there's a way, there's a lifestyle, lifestyle a choices lifestyle. we can make to yes. just put ourselves in a better position to increase yes. our odds. Yes. Up exactly. our odds. Yeah. Right. And then if you get it, then you're healthier going into it. Right. Yeah. You're, so. you're sort of, you're, you're kind of stronger for the battle that may lay yes. ahead. Exactly. So something simple such as like body care, which is what I make. Well, the skin's the largest organ. Yes. And what are you putting on it? So exactly, my ingredients are all organic or naturally de- derived, like the yeah. Dead Sea Salt. They're, uh, absolutely. Organic, it's, it's amazing. I can't. So. It's amazing. So before I forget, because mm-hmm. we're going to get talking, I'm going to forget. Yeah. Where do they go to, to find, buy, to to find, find tribe? Um, so you can go to my website, which is tribodyessentials.com. That's to shop, kind of learn about us. Because um, it's all there. The story is there. And like, because yep. stories are, are key. Yes. And I, I, I why, was very, What's your why? What's your, yeah, yeah. What's your why? Because I did a podcast um, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I don't know. I It wasn't that long ago, but mm-hmm. I did a podcast with a woman named Kylie Slavic. And mm-hmm. she's like this marketing genius, but she's all about the story. Yes. Um. Yeah, you might want to check that podcast well, out too it because personal. it's it's yeah. she talk it's so it's so funny cuz I did a podcast with her talking all about the story and how mm-hmm. people connect to stories and how mm-hmm. important they are and here you are with a story mm-hmm. and now with a product that has become its own entity kind of because mm-hmm. of the it, it makes it very it makes it like a person. Yep. It has a story. It does. Yeah. Yep. And um, and that's yep. how we connect. Yeah. Yeah. Through our, yep, through what our we've stories. gone through. And so, yeah, I make a body butter, which my kids like to eat because they think it's whipped cream every well, time. Well, you, you, you could eat it. You could eat it. You literally could eat it. You probably wouldn't taste too great. But, uh, yeah. Um, the sugar but. scrub. Um, I make a sugar scrub, a salt scrub. Um, like I said, the body butter. I make um, bug repellent and bath salts. And that was the first, the, the bug, bug repellent was, was the first way one, long wasn't it? time ago. Cause I'm yeah. like, why? It actually, when we went to Africa on a mission trip a couple of years ago, we had to like soak everything in DEET. And yep. I was like, oh, this is freaking me out. Like I've had enough <laughs> in my life, cancer wise. <laughs> exactly. And then I want to have kids. Like if I can even have kids. Right. And I'm going to put all this stuff on me. And once, you know, we had the kids and then looking to get stuff, especially in Florida and Connecticut can get now. 
nasty too yeah. with the um, bugs. But I was like, we need something that's like not toxic yeah. to spread. And it on started everything. there. Started there. Didn't even have a name then. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, the body butter was the first thing I made, and then it just evolved it's growing from there. From there, and yeah. it's it is it's fabulous. So again, they can find you tribe bodyessentials.com. Okay. Instagram is your, your tribe, tribe essentials. essentials. Yep. Yes. And I post there. I do tips and videos and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So, check it out. Cause yeah. it's a, it's an amazing story and mm-hmm. B it's a super amazing product. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So I want to end with a question mm-hmm. for you. Um, or maybe two questions. We'll see. Um, <laughs> if you were, if we were sitting here, if you were sitting here with parents, of a of a child mm-hmm. that got a a very grim diagnosis. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? What would be your words? Because I mean, like now, now you are a parent. Yeah. I mean, back then you were the child. We'll call it child. You were an adolescent, yeah. but you know, uh, my you, parents had to you, take care of me. Yeah. You know, you like you said, you were processing in a fourteen year old's mind. Your parents, Lord knows what they were processing. But now, mm-hmm. as a as a parent, mm-hmm. um, you can sort of make that connection. To mm-hmm. other parents, what would be first? Yeah, question one. What, what would be words for them? Gosh, it's hard. It's hard to think of for the parents because I'm on the receiving end of everything. Yeah, um, and it's hard to put my me in that place with my children because I don't want to go there. Yeah, you don't even want to think. That. Um, I mean, it all comes back to and at that my when I was diagnosed, I didn't have Jesus, mm-hmm. right? So to look at them and like, where do you get your hope from? Are you trusting in the doctors? And it, and it's almost like this tough love that you have Mm. to give them because you want to be comforting to them Yes, and be like, you're going to get through this. And it's my parents are still alive. My parents survived. Yes. (laughs) Maybe their marriage didn't. Maybe there's stuff that they're still dealing with, but my parents survived. Yes. I survived. Some kids don't. And, and that's your just family, the, you're all still very close. Like very you have close. Very close relationships very close. with your family. Yes. Yes. Um, that's, no matter that's who's married and who's not, I'm very close yeah. both my parents and my sister and her husband. And um, But to the parents, it really sums down to their faith because we can put our trust in doctors, mm-hmm. people, but they're all going to fail. And God has a purpose for every Everyone. person. And we don't always get to you see that. You don't get to see it come through. And sometimes it's not a good ending. Yes. But you as parents still have a purpose. And if yeah. you can find, grasp on to faith and Jesus and find comfort in him and mm-hmm. peace in him. Man, if we were saved going through this, what an impact. Absolutely. And I hear stories of Christian families that go through this and the impact that they have with that ripple the nurses effect. Yeah. and the, even if their child passes, the yes. parents still have a purpose to help other parents go through either the grieving process or the celebration process. Yes. And I think it's just tough love and a reality check to them with a comforting underlying peace mm-hmm. and that's only coming from Jesus. So that's beautiful. That's I think beautiful. for them is to just where do you stand? I mean, yeah. you have to stand on something. Yeah. And everything the world offers is going to fall through. Yeah. Your child Find might your not solid survive. Ground. Find your solid Where's ground. your solid ground? And if you don't have one, let me help you find it. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Because as a parent, I mean that's what I cling to. If my kids yeah. get sick or they're having a rough day, yeah, we pray 
You've got your we solid have, ground. And we have our community that's praying for us. Yes. And we know that. So yeah. that's huge. That's that. That is huge. That is huge. Yeah. Now, what if you were sitting here with a young teenage girl? Mm-hmm. Again, the doctors have come through the door and given her given her that diagnosis. That's easier. <laughs> yeah. What are your words to that girl? Yeah. And I feel like I haven't had that chance yet. It's funny that you say that. Mm. And I did an interview with another organization for childhood cancer and they asked me that. They're like, what would you say to the parents? I'm like, that's harder for me. But at the same time, I haven't, I don't know anyone else personally that's gone through cancer other than my uncle, but Mm -hmm. at my age. Yes. So I actually haven't had the chance to speak to someone Mm -hmm. personally. Like that's just not in my circle, thankfully. Right. Um, but to her, it's, it's, it's a little easier because I can relate. Um, I feel like our conversation would be really long. I, yeah. Um, I would probably let her do a lot of the talking to get it out. And it was probably, it's probably going to be angry, confused, frustrated, scared. Right. Mm -hmm. But the same kind of message, I mean, where's your faith? And if you do die, because there's that reality that yeah. you as a cancer patient, you it's very black and white. You're either going to make it or you're not. Yeah. So where where are you going? Mm-hmm. Because you might not live. I mean, that's just the, that's the basis to that's it. That's the cold you're, you're hard 50, truth. You're 50-50 yeah. when you get diagnosed with cancer, yeah. right? You're either going to survive or you're not. Yeah. Or it's going to be a long drawn out thing. Yeah. And you're going to survive or you're not. Yeah. Um, it comes down to that firm foundation in Jesus Christ. Mm. And then, yes, you're going to lose your hair. Yes, it comes back, and it comes back thicker and curly and beautiful. Yeah. Yes, there's a chance you can have kids. Yes, there's I, a chance you can like, meet someone. You can yeah. meet your southern gentleman yeah. and, in the north. And I feel like the doctors are so like regiment with what you get so many facts and knowledge thrown at you when you're diagnosed. Yes. And this is the regiment. This is your diagnosis. This is what's going to happen. But in all of that is a real person. Yeah. And, you, and yeah. yes, that's all true, yeah. what they're saying science-wise. But yes. then there's a lot more truth that I can speak to yeah. them that's not so science-related and more relatable like... You know, yeah, you're going to feel like crap, but guess what? This is what you can do. Because you're coming from your story. Bring your own blankets with you to the hospital. Bring some perfume, whatever you like to smell, because your senses are really keen when you're going through chemo. I hated hospital food smell. It would make me throw up. I'm like, bring me a pizza (laughs) from, you know, whatever the pizza place is in New Haven Mm -hmm. so that I could smell that. Little, little things. things. Yeah, I feel like... Because like you say, it's going to be one or the other, but what does life look like for you in the process of getting to either destination? Yeah. And there's so many little things. That in itself can leave a Mm -hmm. massive imprint on the people. If should you not make it, what you did between being told to your death can leave a massive, it it leaves a story. It It still leaves your story and an imprint. And they're still able to help someone. So it's just that conversation would be really long Um, and probably, yes, fragile still, but comforting and just me giving them tips on how to make it through. Awesome. Yeah. Michelle, I'm just, I'm rarely at a loss for words, but with, (laughs) with this podcast show, I I kind of am. Um, What I do want, well, first of all, I want to thank you for sitting down with me today. Thank you. I want to thank you and Brian both for inviting me into your home to do the podcast here. Mm -hmm. Cause it just, it was when Brian Stop by my office on, on like office door on the wall, which mm-hmm. he always says every morning. Comes yeah. by, hey, how are you? Um, and he suggested this. I thought perfect. It's the yeah. perfect environment to sit and 
have you tell your story mm-hmm. for all of our listeners. Um, so thank you very much. I love your family, your family dynamic. Mm-hmm. I love your connection to your faith and to Jesus and to God. And I'm so glad that you survived, that you overcame <laughs> and that you are thriving. And I love the, the tribe product. I mm-hmm. mean, there's just, there's so much in the, the, like the little bit of time that we talked, there's just so much for people to take away from this mm-hmm. that I really hope all of you listening do. Um, the big, the big thing that just resonates with me is hope, mm-hmm. the hope, um, listening yeah. to you just so much hope for a really wonderful life. Mm-hmm. No matter you can what, get out of it. You can have a wonderful have a life, life no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I thank you so much for this t- this opportunity. Yeah, thanks it, it for was having amazing. me. Amazing. So it was great. I'm Coach Tanya with the Strong by Design podcast. Make sure you um, you know uh, check us out. Check us out on strongbydesignpodcast.com. On iTunes, we've got fantastic episodes. Michelle's is there. We'll be there. Um, and yeah, lots of great, to- great content for you to check out there. But once again, Michelle, thank you. This was a very powerful podcast show. And I am honored that I got to be the one to help you tell your story today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It was All right, great. Coach yeah. Tanya here. Thank you for joining us. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you.